For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here today to do our Know Your Foe episode for the Panthers game coming up this Sunday. And here joining me to talk about this is John Ellis. John, how you doing? Hey, Ken. Good to be with you, man. Ready to talk some uh, Panthers and Ravens, man. It's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, looking forward to it. And obviously, uh, we have some Baker Mayfield stuff we're going to get into and in the quarterback uh, situation there in Carolina, as well as some of the promising young players there, uh, including some with Maryland connections. But uh, first, I got to thank our sponsor, and that's uh, Liquid Death. 
the water that will murder your thirst. And uh, please give their product a try. They've been good to us. They're sold in aluminum tall boys, which have a much higher recycling factor than plastic. Plastic uh, in, inefficient to recycle. So if you're if you have that green streak in you, uh, use the aluminum cans when you can. Uh, John, uh, great to have you with you. First, let's introduce you a little bit. Where do you uh, talk football with people and where do you put your work? Everywhere. <laughs> let's start with uh, Blue Wire right here on this network. Uh, we do the Roar podcast. Billy Marshall and myself have been doing that for uh, three years now. So uh, we've seen it all. We've gone through the Matt Rule era, the ups and downs of that. Now covering the Steve Wilkes side of things, which has been uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, you can catch me on iHeartRadio on Fox Sports Upstate, Monday through Fridays, 4 to 6 p.m., and then I do the Ingalls tailgate show, which is the Clemson pregame for football. So uh, doing a lot right now. Also do a little Panthers pregame on the uh, Panthers network up there at 99.7, the Fox in Charlotte. So staying busy, man. Very, very cool to have a, a split pro and college responsibility. I uh, I kind of yeah. envy you in that in that way. On the other hand, it's a lot of work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, but uh, it's, man, it's good work. It's fun. That's, that is why we do it. It's not the big bucks. I can I can assure you of that. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the Panthers season and particularly their off season in terms of, of how they prepared for this year. And it looks like at midseason, they're very much going about uh, uh, dissembling parts of the roster. But it, uh, prior to the season, uh, you know, the Panthers went through a quarterback hunt. Yeah, they did. Ken, they've, they've gone through this for a couple of years now. I mean, we've uh, seen – Dating all the way back to when Matt Rule started his tenure here back in 2000, uh, it was exit Cam Newton and he entered Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, that worked out to a degree, and then Teddy got hurt, and I think Matt was wanting to lean on somebody with a little more physicality. They go out and they try to get Matthew Stafford. That doesn't work. Of course, you know the deal about Deshaun Watson. They were in play for Watson from start to finish, and they didn't couldn't close the deal on that. You can argue that was good or bad, but they didn't. And uh, were they involved in the guaranteed money sweepstakes? Do you, do you have any sense of where they were on, on Watson? This is obviously a big issue to Ravens fans with Lamar coming up. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. From the guaranteed money aspect, um, they were not anywhere close to where Cleveland ended up. I mean, that was the, the really selling point for Deshaun and Cleveland was the $230 million guaranteed. And from what I understand, David Tepper was not going down that direction. But they were close in the sense that they were recruiting him heavily from, from day one. And it just turned out that Cleveland threw an insane amount of money guaranteed at Watson that nobody else is going to come near. Yeah, that's, uh, that certainly has changed a lot of the landscape for, for quarterback signings. Uh, we haven't seen another one yet. Obviously, the NFLPA really leaning on Jackson to to make sure he gets guaranteed money. You know, the fact that he doesn't have an agent just killing the Ravens here, but that's another that's our problem, not, not <laughs> yours. Right. Makes it hard on <laughs> it. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of the uh, the draft, who are the who are the Panthers' big pickups? Yeah, you look at the draft. Uh, and obviously, Akeem Aquano has been great at left tackle. Uh, we'll get into more of the scheme of what they're running here in terms of zone versus gap, but. He's been really effective in terms of, you know, just adding some physicality to the run game here. Been pretty effective in pass pro, too, of late. Uh, Draft-wise, you know, what we'd like to see, too, is like Matt Corral. You'd like to see him get some action this year, but he missed the whole season now with a Liz Frank injury, and that's unfortunate. That sets him back a little bit. Dating back to last year, though, I mean, you look at a couple of guys that are trending in the right direction. Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver from LSU, 
and now Brady Christensen, who's the starting left guard, who was thought to be the left tackle for a while. There's a whole conflict about his arms weren't long enough. Yep. <laughs> guard. And, you know, hey, I'm all for it. I came into the season thinking, hey, if Christensen would be left tackle. Aquano could be a Larry Allen type of guard inside. I mean, that's a hell of a comp, but he's got those traits. But it worked out nicely so far. So I think these rookies uh, from last year and then this year, especially Aquano, have been just terrific for this uh, team. And don't forget about Shai Smith, too, who was a recent draft pick as well. I know Christensen was was the BYU guy from two years ago, really, really short arms. And it's one of the things I'm accused of overemphasizing here in Baltimore. People will laugh at that when they hear this. But um, a lot of people had Christensen ending up a center. Uh, and not not a tackle at all. But but guard seems, do you think that's his final landing spot, or do you think he still may move over to center? Well, I think so. I think now uh, you, your old friend Bradley Bozeman has uh, done some great work here of late. We had Pat Elfline in at center, and he was doing okay. He was better at center than guard. But ultimately, Bozeman has been quite impressive. So I think Christensen's comfortable at left guard. Keep him there. And the continuity has been great here. It's been a breath of fresh air. For as bad as it's been here in Carolina, one of the bright spots here, it's probably been the most continuity this line has had, oh, maybe since 2015. And that's saying a right. lot. That 2015 team obviously went to the Super Bowl. That's the year, right? Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, let's get back to the biggest story of all in the offseason, which was uh, the acquisition of Baker Mayfield. That, that kind of that deal lingered on forever. Kind of seemed like the Panthers took a, a nice hard line with the Browns in terms of, of do we always like to see that when the Browns get less in, in exchange for what they trade away. Uh, but, but the uh, it's a, my understanding is it's a, it's a conditional fourth round pick that will, but he has to play 70% of the snaps to make it a fourth. Yes. That's where they're at with that. So, but, you know, obviously there, there's that train of thought that, Hey, you know, PJ Walker could have stayed healthy everybody wins there because not like Mayfield was lighting it up, but mm-hmm. obviously, as we know, the storyline this week is PJ Walker, the high ankle sprain. This is a theme here in Carolina with quarterbacks and uh, Baker's back up. So uh, it, it was bad early in the season. I mean, I can't express it any other way on tape. I mean, there was a lot of tipped balls at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you've probably seen that from your days in the uh, AFC North, but it was worse now than usual and I just think that the amount of time he had here is a brief window he had to get into camp. He looked good. I was there every day covering camp. He looked good, but you can only take so much away from camp, Ken, as you know. I mean, you got to get in pads. You got to get in the games. Yeah. And then when the week one tipped off against the you know Cleveland Browns, there were some good and there were some bad, and then it just got worse. So Baker, you know, hopefully comes back with a little bit of a spark this week. Okay. Well, that'll that'll be uh, interesting to see. I mean, it's definitely an extra twist for the game that. Uh, that we're looking forward to. How about key injuries currently for the uh, the Panthers? Well, I think the big one on defense is Dante Jackson. I mean, this is a corner who's been a, a cornerstone for this defense for a while. I mean, people have criticized him for a number of missed coverages and you know, blown assignments, but overall he's a playmaker. He's a good guy to have on your defense, good guy to have healthy, and he's out now, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. And that's a tough one for this defense. Uh, on the good side, you're getting Jeremy Chen healthy, one of the better safeties in the NFC, I think, up and coming. Uh, don't know if his status is going to be, you know, officially good to go this week, but he's trending in the right direction. That's a big boost for a defense. It's playing better now under Steve Wilkes, uh, but they they need Chen back in the lineup. And then J.C. Horn as well. He's been healthier. He's been on the right track lately. They've lost Matt Ioannidis, the interior defensive lineman, who's been really good at nose tackle, really good at three technique, is a versatile piece inside. He'll be out for this game. So 
it's kind of been a, just a hodgepodge of injuries, but the key core guys are getting healthy on defense, which is good. Offensively, I mean, you know the story with Mayfield and Walker. Uh, Mayfield's back in the lineup. Darnold is trending in the right direction. Whatever that means, I don't know if that's going to put him in the starting lineup anytime soon, but at least he'll be able to you know, take some snaps and get into practice mode. And then offensively, you know, once again, Christian McCaffrey out the door. You're leaning on Dante Foreman. You're leaning on Chuba Hubbard now, who's healthy again, so he's a good backup option. And Blackshear, the the rookie, the unsigned free agent from Virginia Tech, has been a nice little surprise. So that's kind of a quick little injury roundup for you of what we're hearing right now. So in terms of the comp uh, for McCaffrey, are you guys fairly happy with that? Well, it depends on who you ask. I mean, from my perspective, if I'm a fan, I'm – I'm okay with it because McCaffrey, as you've seen in San Francisco, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. So you're never going to see McCaffrey in a Shanahan offense, you know, toted 28 times for 150 mm-hmm. yards. It's just got too many people to go around for what he accomplished here. It was outstanding. He was a, just a true pro put all the numbers up. He had to, but it wasn't translating to wins, Ken. And that's the thing. Now you get into more of a power scheme, power running game, and you recover four draft picks. I mean, that's a big deal around oh, yeah. here. That's a nice haul. So as much as I like McCaffrey personally, I think from a business end, it was the right pick uh, in terms of making that trade. And then you look at what they got back for Robbie Anderson, who's done next to nothing in Arizona. And no offense to Robbie, this is just nature of the business. You get two more draft picks in return there. So they recovered six draft picks in one week, and then they went out and beat Tom Brady at home. So that was a good week. That was, that was a good, good week. week so, a lot of so- McCaffrey fans around here. I mean, obviously the kids and, and what you're going to find out there, the fans. My kids were disappointed, but it's, I think, a good business decision at this point because McCaffrey running back, he's been hurt. He only played in 10 games in Matt Rule's first two seasons. I mean, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So so they have now 12 or 13 picks coming up in the draft? I have to do a double count on that. I think that's what we're looking at right now. Okay. They, they, they've recovered a lot, and uh, it's going to be good for general manager Scott Fitter to have that ammo because they – put a little bit out there for guys like Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. So to get some of that back is a good thing. Okay, good. And the draft day currency of, of low round draft picks allows you to move up. It's definitely uh, uh, gives you that flexibility you like to have. So you're not, you're not uh, slotted into certain positions to get certain, uh, uh, certain draft pick positions to get certain positions. Right. Uh, let's talk key contract status. And and I like to talk about two layers here. First of all, the guys are going to have to be signed this offseason, but then also the third-year guys primarily could be a fourth-year guy if it's a if it's a first-round player, but a third-year guy who might be extended early. Uh, you have some of those key contract situations coming up? Yeah, I mean, there's a few of those. They took care of DJ Moore, obviously, and they got a pretty good deal for that. And there was another piece of speculation out there that DJ Moore could have been traded, and I think they were wise to keep him around, seeing what we've seen from him lately. Brian Burns is up next. I mean, this is the big decision they have to make. I'll, I'll kind of start there because – He's coming up on that fifth-year option now, and they're going to have to make a decision on Brian. He's been in the league since 2019. And, you know, there was similar talk about him, again, with draft capital. There was reporting from Jonathan Jones that there was upwards of three potential high-round picks, uh, first-round type of picks available for Brian Burns, and they've chosen to stay with uh, their franchise left uh, end or right end, wherever they play him there, the edge of menace that he is. And uh, I think he's worth it. I think he's a good player. I don't, you know, I think he's at that Max Crosby, Judon type of level. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, these guys are hard to find, as you know, these edge guys. I mean, you've seen them come and go in Baltimore. You guys have a, like a rotating door of these guys, it seems. Yes. But down here, I mean, it's been a minute since you've had a guy that's high impact, 
every down. And I think Brian Burns is the next guy up in terms of getting that big extension for Carolina. And then obviously just one more. I mean, the thought process coming into the season was Mayfield, if he could somehow show, you know, he was capable of being a guy that could be a franchise type of player for this team. They'd have a decision to make there. I think the decision's probably already made unless he just burns a hole in the league the rest of the season. I don't see that happening. Okay, so Derek Brown was a first-round pick, obviously. So he's playing great, but but he won't be extended till likely after next year? Probably next year. He's a 2020 yeah. first-round pick. So yeah. they got you know another year to kind of look forward to that fifth-year option. And he's – we start getting into scheme in a minute. We can talk about Derek because he has really earned some money over the past uh, six or yeah. seven weeks. He's done a great job. Yeah, and that's uh, that's certainly one of the one of the situations we're looking at, and say that that could be a big advantage for the Panthers in this game. Uh, I guess let's go ahead and and start talking about the offense here. Uh, in terms of uh, Walker's not going to play, so I guess Mayfield. Uh, let's talk about what strengths he brings and maybe what he brings to Carolina offense that might have been different from what we saw in Cleveland. Yeah, I think what, you know, Baker brings that maybe P.J. doesn't. I mean, obviously, P.J. did a nice job coming in and managing the offense. But, they've, you know, obviously, when you lean on the run game as much as they have, it limits what you can do offensively. You can't open up the entire uh, accordion, if you will, and then play the full harmony of offense. And that's what Ben McAdoo wants to do here. I think uh, you'll see a little more of an opportunity to maybe go to 11 personnel, get in shotgun take some aggressive shots. What they've been doing a lot of with P.J. Walker, obviously, is staying in gun, but a lot of 12 personnel. You're used to that in Baltimore, obviously. There's a lot of 12 personnel up there. Even <laughs> that's a light person. formation to us. <laughs> that's right. 12 and 13. That's the Greg Roman special. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't um, know if you works, guys know this. But it's worked down here, too. I, 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 don't know <laughs> yes. if, I don't know if you guys have know, know this, but the Ravens are currently playing the heaviest formations in recent NFL history. In fact, it may have been decades. Yeah. So even though uh, if you count up offensive sixth offensive linemen, tight ends, and fullbacks, they're at almost two point three per play, and the highest in recent in the last six years is uh, slightly under two for the 2019 Vikings. I think it's been decades since any team has played as heavy as the Ravens have tried to play. So twelve is actually uh, it's probably what the Ravens see every day in practice for that defense. It's been a minute. I mean, this is. Uh... Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit, Ken. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time. I mean, look, if you look at what Baltimore runs there, it, it is fascinating. But for Carolina, Mayfield, obviously, I think, you know, he's had his struggles, but he's a more competent NFL quarterback than Walker. He has a bigger track record. You guys have seen him in Baltimore. It hasn't always been pretty, but he can give you some vertical acumen there. And I think personnel-wise, they'll continue to lean on Dante Foreman. I mean, we'll talk more about the running game and the offensive line here, but they're going to stay – in there, you know, 12 personnel, they don't run a lot of two-back stuff. They run a little bit of pony where they'll get Hubbard and Foreman in the backfield together, but not a lot of lead stuff. Gio Ricci, the fullback, has been missing time, so that affects him a little bit. But Tremble is a great blocker at tight end. Thomas is a very good blocker at tight end, but they don't throw to the tight ends a whole lot here. They just don't. So uh, you can expect if they're going to be in 11 personnel, they're going to run three wide. I would You may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores, but that's not beer. That's why it's in the water section. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love 
my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out Liquid Death. Pick it up yourself and go on over and get it at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. Interesting to see formationally in the game. Okay. Uh, I am getting some uh, cutout from you uh, briefly, just as a technical note here. I don't know if you can get any closer to the router or not, or you're in the you're in the best spot you're in in your house. Wow. Now. Okay. Yeah, we just moved. I'm sorry, I'm kind of stuck where I am right now. No problem. Uh, so talk about the the offensive line a little bit. Go just go from left to right if you would in terms of who's who's playing where. Well, left tackle is the rookie, Akeem Aquanu from NC State. He's a big guy, you know, 6'4", about 320. He'll maul you. He's obviously still working on his pass sets. Uh, that's something that's coming along and improving. But he is a road grader in the run game. He did struggle with penalties against Atlanta. I think he got flagged four times for a number of type of penalties here, a couple of holds. Uh, it happens. But overall, his PFF grade has been great. The tape indicates that when I look at it. Left guard, Brady Christensen. We've talked about him. He's a you know, second-year player from BYU that was thought to be a tackle. Shorter arms for a tackle. They kick him into guard. He's been quite effective there. Bradley Bozeman, welcome home. He's a center, and he's been quite good here since uh, taking over for Pat Elfline. We've really enjoyed watching him anchor you know, for the passing game up front. He's had – in fact, there was a little – chatter on twitter today somebody posted that uh, he's had one penalty all season and he and his wife both said hey where's the penalty we we don't know what you're talking about so <laughs> they went back and tracked it and there's no penalties on his sheet so far clean he's just a, such a good powerful blocker can run gap he can pull he, i mean you guys saw everything with bozeman mm-hmm. last year i was looking at his tape in the offseason so excited to get him in the lineup and he's been great Right guard, uh, I think, is the steal of the year free agency-wise for the NFC South, and that's Austin Corbett. He comes in from Los Angeles, the Rams, the world champions. He played about 1,200 snaps a year for these guys. He was quite effective with Matt Stafford and company there and and a very complex offense. And he's come in and just anchored that right side. And then Taylor Moten at right tackle, he's just the mainstay here. So they've played just about every snap together. I mean, that pet elf line at center early in the year, as I mentioned, but since Bozeman's come in, this core has not missed time. It's been the reason I keep telling people don't think about tanking so much. I mean, this take advantage of this good offensive line. I know you might have limitations, but every little win counts in building what you're trying to build here. And, and it's not often you can have an offensive line this good play this well together this long. You got to capitalize. And so that's the one thing I look at with this matchup and say, you know, Ravens have improved greatly in their run defense. And the defensively overall, they've gotten a lot better. It's a big challenge for them. I'm looking forward to seeing how they hold up to the test. Right. It's been obviously big differences in terms of the acquisition of Roquan and how stout the Ravens are against the run. But um, I want to go back to Bradley Bozeman for a second because he was one of my favorites. I had great offensive line play here in Baltimore. I always liked him as a player. And I think the Ravens really wanted to try and re-sign him. Uh, but I'm, I guess they, they never could come to an agreement. But supposedly they made him an offer in terms of an extension. Um, and then they moved on and they went to Patrick McCary when they couldn't work it out with him. And then Bozeman ends up signing for what he did in Carolina. And it's just like we're shaking our heads back here thinking, how do we let a good lineman get away for that? 
So anyway, I'm surprised, Ken. I, I, I honestly, I can't answer that one for you in terms of the dynamics. But I know when I saw the numbers, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get paid eventually for what he's doing now if he stays healthy. He's been great, but no, they got him at a pretty good rate here. And um, thank you for that because we were in desperate need of some help inside. If you saw the tape last year, oh boy, it was a mess. Yeah, he's a he's a real testament to a guy who has very limited athleticism, still being able to to play in a pretty good move scheme. So uh, you know, yeah. the Ravens have some success with this because they have good footwork on the inside that doesn't mess up their pulls, but they, they pulled Bozeman the more he pulled the most of any center in Ravens history last year. I saw it. And hey. yeah, <laughs> just, just a, 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 a immense amount that they, you know, pull him 10 plus times per game. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's really impressive a guy with, you know, his, Lack of long speed and 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 lack of some athleticism is able to do that. This, I mean, that's really the big knock on coming out of college. He had great size, you know. It's what that was never the the issue there. It was always a case of is he going to move well enough to get up to level two and whatnot. And I think I think he's answered all the critics in that. I was I was really sad the Ravens didn't uh, didn't get him locked up for longer. Yeah, I mean, he's been good here. He's been doing a lot of that too, and I think there'll be more of that. They evolve into the offensive scheme here as we go, but uh, he's been just fantastic. So let's talk wide receivers. Uh, you know, we, we DJ Moore, of course, the Maryland connection. Uh, it's it's funny. We we hear this kind of stuff around the trade deadline every year, how every one of our draft picks would be traded if Twitter had a chance to do it because you, you, they, they they want the DJ Moore. They want the difference makers at wide receivers specifically because you got to do something. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so. Right. I mean, well, I mean, look, with, with Baltimore, it's like uh, you only got so many room for receivers there. Although that 12 and 13, you're running that 12 XL. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right. I mean, you've you got always so many options to, to have a receiver, you know, catch 100 balls. But no, DJ has been fantastic in terms of just being a team guy. I mean, look, this is a guy that came in here in, in 2018. And I've seen his evolution development and, and where he's at his best, obviously, is just get the ball in his hands. I mean, he is a good contested catcher. We saw that in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago with the unfortunate, you know, helmet coming off penalty that was disputed. And that that, that was a, just a sour moment. What was otherwise one of the more dynamic plays he's made in his career, if not the most dynamic. But the, the, the secret sauce really is just feed him early, feed him often. I think they got away from that a little bit against Atlanta because the conditions were bad out there and they just wanted to run the ball 45 times. And, hey, if it works, stick with it. But DJ can take the jet sweeps. He can be a menace in the bubble screen game. He is just an effective player with the ball in his hands. You guys saw him in Maryland. And Steve Smith gave him a lot of credentials and a lot of hype after the draft and said, you know, they found another version of me. And, it, and to a certain extent, there are some traits that do equate to that. He's a bully. He's a bowling ball in the open field. So yeah, if they just get him the ball in space, he's a he's a fun player to watch. Now, one of the things that I've noticed about DJ is his yards per target are way down this year. Are, would the blame for that be on the quarterback or some need to get the ball out quickly, or what, exactly what's going on with that? I, I think part of its scheme, it's McAdoo. It's it's a lot of quick stuff. It's West Coast concepts, so they're running a lot of uh, mesh. They're running a lot of bubbles. Um, and part of it's just the the inconsistency of quarterback. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. been a problem. The pass protection can hold up. It's not that at all. Um, I just think it's it's a matter of, you know, McAdoo's offense is still evolving, and there's been very little continuity at quarterback with these receivers. It's, you know, it's Mayfield, and then he gets hurt, and then P.J., and then he gets hurt. And it's 
they really have pulled PJ back. I mean, he that Atlanta game when they had to throw and they went out there and did what they had to do. He he did a good job. And then Tampa, he he was pretty good in terms of downfield stuff. They run a nice seven route to Tommy Trimble. But overall, they've limited what he can do vertically. In that Rams game, his first start, it was like you look at the passing chart, it was all dots right there at the line of scrimmage. It was it was pretty bad. But yeah, I would not put it on DJ at all. I mean, he, he can so I'll look at the tape from like 2019, even the pandemic year 2020. I put together some metrics on that that I don't have in front of me, but he was right there among the lead league and contested catch rate down the field. And he he can he can go get that 50-50 ball with the best of them for his size. Right. I've I've got a, a little bit of theory on that. That is is that if you have a player who gets a lot of uh, a a high number of targets relative to the rest of the team. That's usually a guy who's getting decreasing value on his marginal targets. So he's being used as a bailout guy by his quarterback. And that creates a lot of balls that have less chance for production on them. And even though he can get a 50, 50 ball, that's not the optimal way to catch a football. You want to catch it in space. No, I agree. That's that. That's it's a nail on the head right there. Uh, Other receivers. Yeah. I think Terrace Marshall is coming along. I mean, this is the guy we talked about from LSU that has been, just a nice surprise. And part of the criticism, Ken, of Matt Rule was the the idea that some of these young guys, he just wouldn't play them. It was for whatever reason, we're just not getting enough guys involved. And now you're seeing, you know, Terrace Marshall, the last few weeks, he's catching touchdowns in Cincinnati. He's catching big third down conversions uh, against the Atlanta Falcons in a big game in the rain. And, and that's good experience for him. He's got good size. He's, you know, I was talking to Matt Bowen about him from ESPN, and, and Matt's a good buddy of mine. I know you know his work, and he, he's been a big fan of Marshall for a long time, and he was asking me at camp, you know, how does Marshall look? How does Marshall look? I said, well, he's just kind of in the doghouse with Matt Rule. He's not getting a lot of reps. He's hurt. And it's funny, when you make a coaching change, and I, I would say I was a healthy critic of Matt Rule for a lot of reasons. I'm not alone there. Steve Wilkes said, okay, you know what? We're going to try some new things, and part of that was putting Marshall in the slot. And he's like Bowen had said, he's a power slot. He's a big guy. He's physical. He can challenge the middle of the field. And he gives guys like Walker and Mayfield who don't have the most size and the vision um, in terms of where they see the field, a big target over the middle. They don't have that Greg Olson anymore. So Marshall in the middle of the field has has been a good experience. Um, One more guy too. And he's been like a touchdown machine is LaVisca Chenault. And this is another trade they made early in the season for a late round pick. And, you know, Chenault has been, you know, we know the story on him. He's never going to be a boundary X. He's never going to be an elite guy who can run routes. But, boy, you get the ball in his hands, and he's got a lead breakaway speed. He did that at Colorado. We saw his college tape, and, you know, we saw the touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons last week in the rain. He catches the ball. Great blocking on the perimeter. Another point about these receivers, they're blocking well, and that's good too. Yep. But Chenault is a great wild card. He's a guy to look out for in this game, I think. They're going to feed him quick. I don't ever worry if I'm Baltimore's defense unless they just decide we want to decoy something. Chenault's not going to be running any nine routes or seven routes or anything that requires a lot of, you know, acumen down the field. It's going to be quick, get out of your hands. It was really a run last week because it was behind the line of scrimmage. He's been great, though. He's been electric. Okay. That's interesting. It might be a matchup for Hamilton when they go to 11 because he really has that more of that A.J. Brown kind of body, like a a running back kind of body and a receiver. Big guy. All right. Uh, let's move on to the to the running back group. And uh, they use a fullback at all? Yeah, they have. I mean, they, they, when we run, let's say, 11 or 12, a lot of uh, – not 12, I'd say 21, 22, 
running a lot of 21-22 personnel early in the season with Giovanni Ricci, who was the sort of de facto H-back fullback, and he's been dinged up. So they don't typically put like a tight end at fullback. They, they won't flex Trimble into that mode. So they've been getting away from that a little bit. They run basically two tight ends. So it'll be mostly twins, 12 personnel, a little 13 at times. Not a lot of lead back, though, stuff. It's really just kind of zone scheme. And I'll get into a little more of the breakdown between zone and gap of what they're running here in a minute. But in terms of blocking, yeah, it's just a lot of single back stuff. A lot of it's out of gun. Some of it's out of uh, under center. But a lot of it's 12 personnel. Okay, right. Sidecar pistol in terms of the gun? A little bit of that. A little bit of that with Walker, too. They've run some of the the sort of read option game there, too. With Mayfield, I don't know how much of that they'll run. But not too much of it. Just a little splash of it. Okay. All right. Uh, so you talked a little bit about formations and, and you're making the point that the Panthers like to play at heavier, uh, usually with two wide receivers on the field or commonly with two wide receivers on the field. Yeah. Usually you, you'll see some 12 personnel in there and usually you get DJ Moore, um, Terrace Marshall at times, Shy Smith at times. Sometimes there'll be LaVisca Chenault in there. You know, since Robbie Anderson left, they've been rotating that, uh, that Z receiver a little bit, but yeah, I think the big thing, too, is when you look at how they're running, and PFF does a nice nice job of breaking this down, and it sort of shows up on the tape, too, it's almost a 50-50 split in terms of zone versus gap mm-hmm. this year. So it's been a great mixture. Sometimes they've been heavy zone in the past or heavy you know, gap power scheme. It's been about a 50-50 split, and it's like 49-51 to 51 right now in favor of uh, zone versus uh, gap. And it's been – Effective. I mean, you look at Dante Foreman. I mean, this is a great story, a guy that we saw last year in Tennessee. And when they signed him, it's another one of those hidden gems. I said, okay, the league knows a little bit about him, but if they plug him in and give him 30 carries, he can give a King Henry type of numbers. He's not King Henry, but he learned under King Henry there in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And he can run behind zone. He can press the hole a little bit and do the cutback thing. And then on power, he's just a bowling ball. He's, He's a fun player to watch. Great contact balance. So, again, look for big 33 there this week against Baltimore. It's not going to be easy, but they do throw a lot of stuff at you in the run game, and it's been fun lately to watch. Okay, they they still are playing a lot of pony even after the departure of McCaffrey, or has some of that gone away in the last couple of weeks? Uh, they, they're still mixing it in a little bit. It, it hasn't gone away too much. In fact, I don't think they were doing enough pony with McCaffrey here. Uh, again, this is the Matt Rule influence. Uh, Mad Rule leaves, and then you see, I think, Steve Wilkes talk to Ben McAdoo and say, these are some things we should try to do, just common sense things. And so you saw a little bit of that in the McCaffrey when he was here, and then McCaffrey leaves. And you'll see Blackshear, number 20, uh, the, the rookie, again, undrafted from Virginia Tech, who has great bursts. He returns kicks, by the way. He's been in the formations with uh, 33 Foreman at times, so they've run some of that pony stuff. And I think back to, like, the, the pony was great here in Carolina when they had C.J. Anderson and McCaffrey back in 2018 and North Turner was the coordinator. They ran a lot of that, and they ran a lot of cross screens, a lot of misdirection. It was so good for the offense, and I just think it's a great thing to splash into the playbook. But they still do enough of it to give you a reason for pause. They've done a lot of good motion lately, pre-snap, at-the-snap motion. That's something they were doing none of early in the season. So the McAdoo's starting to cook a little bit now. So when they when they do run pony, maybe give me a maybe a percentage of how often it's a flex player, how often it's a motion player, and how often it's a two man two running back backfield. 
I'd say it's all about an even split right now. Okay. As far as all that goes, it's about even. And it doesn't okay. happen enough to where I'm, I'm able to chart all of it, but it's it's a couple plays a game here or there. Okay. All right. So, so still it's used, but it's not, it's not the most common. It's, all right. it's out there. Okay. So the, the reason I, I'm asking all these questions about the heavy formations, whether it's 12 or 21 or 13 or whatever it might be, is that the Ravens' real weakness is at slot corner. And they have not found a third corner they can trust on the field yet. And the guy who really showed up last week was a, a reliance on Kyle Hamilton to play big nickel even against 11. And yeah. so that's that's really unusual, obviously, in the NFL to have a third safety against 11. But, uh, you know, he had a great game and has really been playing well since about week two of this season. Um, it, it, do you see the um, Panthers trying to go after him in any kind of special way? And if so, who would be the guy to do it? Well, I think DJ Moore would be a great star. I mean, look, they they play him in the slot. I mean, they can flex him inside to that wide position and, and let him do some work on whoever now, if they try to match or just travel with DJ, that's one thing, but I don't see that happening too much with that scheme. And then, you know, like I mentioned, Terrace Marshall, once again, this could be a breakout game for him. Now Hamilton, if they play him down there again, Hamilton, so it's six, four, he's got range, yeah. he got size. That, that's a pretty good matchup for Hamilton, I think, because Marshall's a bigger guy. He's not necessarily a burner. You might see a little more shy Smith this game. Shy Smith is a second year player from South Carolina. He's got good speed. He had some ball security issues early in the year, but he's a guy that can maybe give you problems in the slot there in terms of, okay, he can run good routes. Unlike Chenault, he can get you, you know, with some pivots, he can get you with some, you know, deep digs, whatever they type of run there, you know, you can run the post with him. Any Anything he can do to challenge what weakness you might have at your third corner position he might be more effective weapon than Marshall in there, but I think they'll, you'll see and just, just kind of my instinct here from watching tape and seeing the evolution of what they're trying to do here. You might see a little more DJ Moore in the slot here. That might be a good play for them. Okay. All right. That's interesting. They really, I think the way that it's going to, that, that Hamilton had a lot of trouble is when there's two smalls lined up on, on one side. I think if you, if you give them one big on one side, they'll just flip it and they'll, they'll yeah. match up. But uh but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I do think it's his job to lose at this point. He's played so well. And of course, he, being the, the first draft pick that they had, they really want to get him on the field, see what they have. But uh, yeah. you know, so far, they haven't been able to do it with the depth of safety. Let's flip over the defense and, um, and talk about the most common uh, looks. And I, I'd like to start by asking, um, what do they do, uh, first of all, versus, versus 12 and 21 personnel on a base look, but then the follow-up with that is what's their normal pass defense approach on say a third and medium to long, like six, seven, eight kind of distance. Yeah. They, you've seen a lot of zone in terms of uh, the coverage in the back end here. It's uh, you, you, you see quarters, you see some cover three, you're not seeing a lot of tight man coverage in terms of man press with these guys. And I think part of that's been due to the fact that JC Horn had been out for some of the season. Now you got Dante Jackson out. Um, in terms of just their base, it kind of dates back, and they didn't change a whole lot when Phil Snow was fired. If you know a little bit about Phil Snow, they run that tight stuff from the Baylor Big 12 tree. So you see a lot of the 505, the 404 tight, where you've got you know, a nose, basically a three down line, and then your mm-hmm. Leo is going to be Brian Burns, and then your sandbacker is going to be Frankie Louvu, who i got to talk about for a minute. He's been a tackling machine. He's the kid they picked up from the New York Jets, and – he has been remarkable. He had 12 tackles against 
the Atlanta Falcons. He was hurt a little bit earlier this season. He's just been the energizer bunny for this defense along with Brian Burns. But usually it, it, there's some of the, the flavor of like the, the Pete Carroll 43 under stuff where you'll have, you know, your, your Leo out there on the weak side. And that's usually Burns. And then on the strong side, that is LeVu 49. You'll see a lot of that. And inside, Derek Brown plays it all. I mean, he's going to play nose. He'll he'll nose right up there against the center, and he'll he'll challenge, and he'll like last week he was playing a little bit of uh, shaded, and he threw Lindstrom to the side and got in there and penetrated. Lindstrom's a good guard, mm-hmm. so it's really just the same kind of defense they've been running when Matt Rule and Phil Snow was here. A lot of three man fronts and fly downhill from there and challenge on base and and sub sub packages. It gets a little more complex than that, but that's pretty much what you're looking at. Okay, so let's start with that defensive line. And, and obviously, Derek Brown, to me, represents the biggest single challenge for the Ravens because he's exactly the kind of massive uh, nose tackle that has been giving a lot of trouble to uh, uh, Linderbaum, who's the Ravens' second first-round pick. Uh, yeah. And you know, if you're familiar with Brady Christensen, he's like a, a uh, even shorter-armed center, uh, also kind of undersized from a weight perspective. Right. So the bigger nose tackles have been just ragdolling him. Yeah. Um, and is is Brown, the, do they use him as a zero a lot, or is he almost always a one where you, you, you also have a three in there? There's been some zero, not as much. It's mostly a shade. It's a one, or there, there are times where he'll be a three technique, depending on you know, the down and distance formation. Mm-hmm. They'll run some NASCAR stuff on long downs. But, no, he can – he can handle the center nose up at the zero technique, but usually you're going to see him a little shaded off there. And he's he's a menace. I mean, he's right there on pace for setting, I think, a team record for tackles for a defensive tackle in a season. So he's not just disrupting, he's yeah. finishing, which has been a big key to their success right now in the run game. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Whenever you have, have one even productive tackler in the middle of the defensive line is extremely yeah. useful. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll certainly look for that matchup. Uh, how about elsewhere? If you're if you're going to just talk across about the defensive line, who's uh, who's to be talked about? Yeah, you know we talked about Matt Ioannidis from the Commanders last year. He's hurt. He's not going to be in this game, and that's a disappointment. They've got other guys, obviously. Davian Nixon, who's a fascinating prospect. This is year two from him. He's out of Iowa. Uh, we talked to Greg Cosell about him after the draft, and Greg had made the point that you know we love his athleticism, but he needs to play up to his size a little bit, and he's been better about that. Um, Marquand McCall is a guy to look out for too. 78. He's an interior defensive lineman, plays a lot of, uh, one technique along with Brown. And he has been massively good for them as an undrafted guy from Kentucky. He's been disruptive. He's gotten into the mix. Um, the Giants game, he made a big stop late that could have helped them win. And the offense kind of let us down here, but Marquand McCall 78 is a big uh, threat. And then a, a player that's still trying to find his way on the end position is your turd gross mottos the draft pick from Penn State. He's been up and down. There have been really good flashes, really good moments this year in the run game and in the pass game, and they run him a lot. Um, when they run their baseline, they'll have him on the line at three technique or sometimes at five technique. Um, one last guy, too, to mention, and you can, I mean, you mentioned defensive line or defensive end or linebacker. He does it all. It's Marcus Haynes, 98. He doesn't get a lot of snaps, probably about 15 to 20 a game, but he maximizes every snap out there. And when you get in third and long, now, Lamar's a little bit different. That's a different challenge. So I'm going to be interested to see how they play that. But in third along against traditional passes, Mariota's a good example, too. He's got some wheels. They turned Marcus Haynes loose last week, and he got off the edge quick with some good bins. So 98's another guy to keep an eye on. 
do they have a a really quick linebacker who is uh in in the in AFC North, JOK has kind of been the nemesis and Logan Wilson to a lesser degree because he reads plays very well. But do they have a really quick or a outstanding read linebacker who can keep Lamar contained or or act as a spy, let's say? Well, I would say Jeremy Chin would be that guy. I mean, Chin is a hybrid. He can do it all, but it depends on his health right now. And, you know, Chin, it's interesting, you know, right now, and this is, you know, as of today, they're still unsure about his status for Sunday, but let's just say it is Chin, and I have a feeling it might be. When they play Kyler Murray, um, and this is going back to the pandemic year, Chin was down in the box just traveling with Murray a lot, just shading him, mirroring him, and it was highly effective. And he's got the instincts. He can stay with you there. He's been in that role a few times. I think LeVu can do it 49. You don't want to do that too much with him because he's so good off the edge and he can impact the game in a number of ways. But as you know, when you play Lamar, it's so different. Like you've got to build a net. You can't, you know, it is you you over-pursue and you're dead with Lamar. This is a unique challenge for Carolina. I mean, I know they face Kyler Murray, but Kyler's been up and down a little bit. And I think Lamar's kind of next level in this department because he can sit in the pocket and pick you apart. And we saw that against Tampa and other teams as I look at film. But if you over-pursue him and – Good night. So I, I would look for some spy technique. I would look for a little maybe less man coverage in this game. You don't want to get your back turned against Lamar. That's a death wish. Uh, it's going to be a big day for Brian Burns, too. He's going to have to rush with just a, a little more patience. He gets a little bit over, you know, pursuit at times, and he misses some some possible sacks and some possible big plays. But I think Chin's the guy if he plays to kind of spy Lamar there. I did want to ask you another question about Burns. So I noticed Burns has dropped a coverage about 50 times this year. And I would equate that, you know, think about that more as closer to a guy who's playing a lot of Sam. Do, do they try and line up Burns on the edge against the naked tackle? Or do they try and have him, are they indifferent to where they line him up? Uh, they're there. I mean, they've done a lot more Sam with him this year. Usually it's weak side stuff and they'll let LeVu handle, but LeVu was out for a little while. So they're putting Burns out there on tight ends. And, and it's not just all just straight back coverage. There's been a lot of boot concepts too lately. Like Mariota last week, the first snap of the game, they're booting out to the weak side. And, and, and Burns is out there playing laser tag. He's got in one hand, he's got, it's like raising kids and you're in the store. You got, I got this guy in one hand, I've got a tight end in the other. And he's really just a good space eater for his size in terms of I've got quarterback contained. There's the flat right there. I've got to keep an eye on that. So some of those are counting as coverage snaps too. But in terms of straight dropback coverage, he was doing a lot of that against the Giants. I think he had like 20 coverage snaps in that game, which was outrageous. Um, it was upwards of two. It was in the 15 to 20 range. But you got to just tee him up and let him play. I mean, that's, again, the thing with Lamar, you can't over-pursue, but you can still squeeze the pocket. And that with Derek Brown playing at his level right now, you're counting on Burns and LeVu to squeeze that pocket. And then just, you know, Derek Brown hopefully can hold his own on the inside. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's obviously an understatement on that. But the, the Ravens have gone through a similar thing this year. If if you've really seen Burns kind of played out of position at Sam, that's what happened to Adafi Owe earlier this year. And and uh, uh, it really lost a lot of production from a very good young player to not have him, you know, basically attacking naked tackle down after down. They're asking Brian to do a lot. I'll say that. I mean, look, there's a lot of fans out there who think Brian should have been traded because he's not double-digit sacks every season. They're asking him to do a lot, and he is a freak athlete. Once they get settled in, I think, with the staff, and if it's Steve Wilkes, which I think could still happen here, he's a really good defensive mind. 
you might see Burns take off into the next stratosphere. Is he going to be, you know, Micah Parsons? No, they're just not the same guy. But Burns is is just very good in, in ways that people don't anticipate always in terms of just little nuances and coverage, the ability to hold the edge at times. I mean, it's not always perfect, but he's top 10 in terms of edge rushers out there. He's one of the better ones. I certainly loved him, loved him coming out. Didn't didn't spend a lot of time looking at him because I knew he probably wasn't going to be there when the Ravens were picking. Yeah. But uh, but he was an exciting certain certainly player. Uh, other linebackers, you want to talk? Uh, is is Shaq Thompson now the green dot? Yeah, he is, and Shaq has been good this year. Shaq, he really has kind of look. You go through these situations too, where you you lose your head coach, and 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 that's not easy. And it, it was not an easy situation with Matt Rule at all. I don't think you lose your defensive coordinator. He's really stepped up in terms of leadership, and they've needed that in terms of a guy that just takes command of the defense. He's been a great communicator. He had a great game against Atlanta on tape. I mean, he's out there blowing everything up in the run game. He can get a little inconsistent as this entire defense can at times. He's certainly not Luke Keekley. That's a tall order to fill. I mean, this defense lost Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley in a matter of like a two-and-a-half-year span, and Luke was an instant like goner. And that's like, whoa, okay, what are we doing now? That's Hall of Fame-level talent. But as you've seen with like, you know, teams out there such as Seattle, you got to just find ways to manufacture what you can when you lose guys like Bobby Wagner or Luke Keekley in this case. And you guys have seen that with Ray Lewis in, in Baltimore when you lost him and you had to go find the next one. So um, I, I think Shaq has been really good this year, not only in coverage, but in defending the run. He really has stepped up his game. Can't hear you. This happens at least once per episode. So people are used to me muting myself okay. and then not. Okay. Able to, but, but, but anyway, okay. uh, uh, who, who else is playing a lot of snaps at inside linebacker besides Shaq Thompson? Uh, you've seen some Corey Littleton there. There, there was a time too where Lavu they they tried to stack him at backer, and that was not wise. They 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 play him more on the edge now. Uh, Damien Wilson has played a little bit inside. He's been a good run defender, but really it's been Shaq Thompson. I mean, that's the, you get into situations where this is going to be an interesting battle because you're not going to be facing a lot of, I, I assume 10, not, no 10 personnel in Baltimore, definitely no. not 11, <laughs> um, as much as you would see with like, uh, say a Tampa. So I think you'll see a lot more, you know, two, maybe three backers in the game, a lot more base, but I think Shaq is the centerpiece of that. He'll fly downhill. And really, it's been great to see Derek Brown, once again, I keep mentioning 95, but his ability to keep blockers clean, to keep backers clean in terms of those blocks, there's a lot to his game you love, and part of that is keeping Shaq Thompson clean. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how Shaq plays this whole thing, too. I know it's not just Lamar running the ball for you guys. you got a lot of punch back there, too, so it's going to be important for Shaq to hold his own, fill, and then fit those gaps with efficiency. You mentioned, you know, Derek Brown's effect in keeping keeping uh, linebackers clean. You know, the Ravens, of course, in 2000 had had uh, uh, Adams and Syracuse and uh, in a four three defense, which that's a lot of space eating. Uh, yeah. I love the comment about Syracuse was 342 pounds. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so uh, but but the when the Ravens then changed to a three four defense in 2002, um they they asked Ray Lewis about it and he had no comment. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, no, no. Hey, this is what happened with Keekley. I mean, the, the Panthers went through this too, where they changed to a, the, the gap control, you know, defense where they get away from 
you had K1 short and you had, you know, guys that, that were just space eaters in the middle. And they, they go to this 3-4 type of hybrid back in 2019 when David Tepper takes the team over and wants to in, infuse a defensive change reportedly. And I don't know if Rivera was all in on that, but they did it. And and Keekley, from just the moment I was looking at tape in the preseason, was getting swallowed up by guards at the second level. I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. you got to keep your backers clean, man. Yeah, it's, uh, It really makes Brown's tackle total that much more impressive. If you're racking up a great tackle total in a 4-3 where you really have a lot of two-gap responsibilities, a lot of, of eating double teams to the degree you can, people don't realize how much harder it is to make tackles under oh. those circumstances than, than when you're uh, three wide in a, in a traditional 43, sorry, 34 uh, yeah. base. No, he's been so good, Ken. I mean, you just uh, again put on the tape. He flashes everywhere. He can penetrate. He can, you know, two gap, one gap. He can do it all. And it really has been like an extra draft pick because we we didn't consider Brown to be exceptional when we got him. And we looked at like my comp was Chris Jenkins at a peak. I mean, he was never going to be Aaron Donald. He's not built like that. He's mm-hmm. just more of a Halodinata. There's a name from the past that we comped into as well. And I think he's playing like that now at a high level. And if you can get that out of Derek Brown for the next five years, you've got something cooking here on defense. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. Take us, I guess, through the secondary and uh, around the rim there, including the nickel, if you would. Yeah, secondary is interesting. J.C. Horn has been great since he's been back. Uh, he's he's one of the guys that eliminated Kyle Pitts last week. I mean, they, they go back to college in their days against South Carolina and Florida. And they'll match him up with tight ends sometimes. The one thing about Horn, you look at his tape from early last season before he got hurt, he was playing in the slot a lot. And they're doing less of that this season, but they'll travel him inside and match him up. So uh, you, you've got this tight end from our neck of the woods, Isaiah Likely, who is just an absolute menace. And I'm very worried about him. I don't know. I guess he's still healthy. I know Andrews is out. Oh, yeah. No, he's playing great. He's Likely playing. has been, and he was on my radar in the draft because he plays right down the road at Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. in college. And I, I would. Be shocked if Horn didn't have a few snaps on him, just man covers this week, because I think that's how you eliminate that problem. Dante Jackson's out at corner. That That's tough. C.J. Henderson, this is a guy that, look, he's made some good plays, and then he's regressed a little bit. He's been up and down. It was a project. They brought him in from Jacksonville in the Dan Arnold trade. Uh, jury's still out. Xavier Woods is a very good safety for them. They'll rotate free and strong there. You know, he'll play a little free. He'll come down in the box a little bit and support the run. Chen, again, is the X factor. If he comes back, he'll see more snaps in that box position. They'll let Woods play at center field a little bit if they play cover three. If they play quarters, they'll split everything out. If they play man, a little bit of cover one, you know, you'll see probably 21 Chen down in the box. They're challenging likely as well, or whoever the tight end might be on that side. And then, once again, Miles Hartsfield's another guy to keep an eye on, 38. I, I, a scout, to me, called him a thick nickel. <laughs> I never heard that mentioned before ever, but he's about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, about 2'10". He's a, yeah, stout, a stout guy inside. He, he, he reminds me of some of those classic nickel corners we saw from back in the day. He's not really rangy, but he is an athlete. They, they featured him at running back at training camp one year here. They tried to put him in at offense, and – He's an athlete. He flies to the ball. I've always been impressed by him in the run game, too. 38 miles Hartsfield. But I don't know how many snaps he'll get in this game, but he has been playing a lot of nickel for this team lately. And with Dante Jackson out, they're going to have to infuse him in there, too. So Corey Ivey maybe comes to mind as an X-Raven from from years ago. Not quite as big, obviously, as that, but definitely a, a slower but, but downhill yep. pass rusher, run defender. 
let's um, uh, let's go back to, to likely for a second. I'm just doing this for the Carolina fans that may be tuning in to hear John here, uh, give you a little update on, on what he's done. Uh, he has been absolutely terrific the last couple of weeks. And what's, what's really been special, his snaps have gone through the roof. And we kind of expected it because Andrews was out. But yeah. the thing that's made his snaps go to an even higher level is he's been an unbelievable run blocker all of a sudden. And oh. this was the knock. Had all kinds of problems in camp, all kinds of problems early in the season with holding penalties and with, uh, you know, just not making blocks. But the last two weeks, he's been terrific. And, uh, and you know, the, 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 honestly, the receiving's been a little bit up and down. He was real good against the box. He was he did have a touchdown catch, but I think he only caught one of four, one of five. Uh, targets this last week but the, but the blocking's been so good he's he's really earned his snaps in Baltimore from that yeah I mean look that that's George Kittle quality stuff there too I mean it's early yet but I mean that Kittle is you know he, he's like a bigger run block guy than pass catcher he loves to block and so likely I think has adopted that philosophy and just getting to know him a little bit from his college tape I mean you could see some of that but I, I didn't have this type of expectation for that now again it's early but I remember I think it was the preseason game you guys had at Arizona this season and he was just flashing all over the field and I said oh boy oh, yeah when Carolina plays this team if they, you know if Andrews needs some target share issues or if he's hurt likely could be a problem and again I think that's one of the key guys to focus on for this coverage unit right now because he is uh he is a playmaker he really is special yeah he, he caught all 12 balls and thrown to him in preseason which is which is nice and you're, you're obviously you're playing against some lesser lights because he is not necessarily starting the game but on the other hand uh, uh, you know, he also was was blocking like crap, and, yeah. And uh, and now he's he's much better, and uh, and uh, we're uh, we're uh, hopefully I I feel a lot better about Isaiah Likely right now. I'm very excited about him in terms of the arrow pointing up in terms of what they'll they'll get from him. Uh, so we we've gone I think through the, the defense a little bit. Do they play any dime on third down at all? Do they do they are they pretty much a committed nickel team? It's pretty much a nickel team, and I think in this game you'll see even more of that. I mean, I don't think you'll ever really get into a dime situation against Baltimore. I don't anticipate that. So it's mostly mostly nickel. And again, Chin, I, I keep saying Jeremy Chin's name, but he's the wild card. If they come back in, he can play the slot. He can do a little bit of what Kyle Hamilton's been doing for you guys there. He's a versatile piece. I don't know how much they want to overload him here in this game in terms of responsibilities if it's his first game back. But he can definitely change the dynamics of how they're structured there. But they will occasionally play some dime. I just don't see that happening in this game. Let's uh, I don't go for score predictions, but maybe come up with one player you think really matches up well against the Ravens, and you can go one on each side of the ball if you want. I, I think Derek Brown once again. I think he presents a, a bit of a challenge for what you've talked about with Linderbaum. I think you know he can get in there and, and do some things to move the point of attack, the line of scrimmage. That to me is the X factor on defense. How well Derek Brown can control the line of scrimmage. It's not just him, but he's the centerpiece of what they do right now up front in terms of run support and offensively, if I had to pick, you know, one guy, obviously Mayfield's the easy one to look at and say how he plays that play, but let's go with Bradley Bozeman. Let's see how he can anchor and control coming back home. He's been so good with this offensive line. I guess one more guy to add is a wild card is Chenault because every time he touches the ball, it seems like he scores for Carolina. He's only got about five or six touches in the past game, but every time he touches it, he's either going 40 yards, 50 yards on a bubble it's pretty easy to defend because you can diagnose what he's doing, but once he gets in the open field, he's gone. So that's one guy, uh, LaVisca Chenault, to keep an eye on. Okay. Well, fantastic rundown on, on the Carolina Panthers. Really appreciate you coming on, John. Uh, please take the time to plug anything you'd like in terms of what you're doing, and, and I hope there'll be some Panthers fans listening to this that, that may be more likely to listen to what you have to offer. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate it, Ken. Uh, it's the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. You can hear Billy Marshall and myself every week. We do one to two episodes a week. It, it's hard with our schedules right now, but you'll get at least one a week from us recapping and then previewing the next game. It's sort of a double dip there. And then you can hear me on iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Upstate, 104.9, down here in the upstate of South Carolina, 4 to 6 p.m. with Richmond Weaver. Game on is our show. It's 4 to 6 p.m. Listen anytime on the iHeartRadio app. You can also catch me on the Ingles Tailgate Show before every Clemson game. And finally, you can hear me on 99.7 The Fox in Charlotte, uh, five hours before kickoff every Sunday for the Catawba Two Kings Casino Tailgate Show. Got a lot going on, and I'm glad to be with you today, Ken. Very cool. Really appreciate you coming on, making time, John. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. I am always interested in, in hearing new people and what ideas they're passionate about, about the Baltimore Ravens, whether it be roster building, how they should address scheme, whatever you want to talk about. 25, 30 minutes is what we're looking for. Some less imposing content than all the other stuff we put out there that's usually an hour and more. Uh, trying to let people have some options that are shorter, but uh, I'll get back to you really quickly. John, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it, man. You too. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.